see you guys. You guys excited to be here, man? I think so. That was an awesome time of worship, man. Praise God for those times. Don't ever miss that, man. It's just a small glimpse of heaven right there. That's awesome. Hey, I want to thank you so much for being here today. If today's your first time, uh, my name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Summit, and we're just excited to have you here today. If you are here for the very first time, we want to welcome you and just let you know how excited we are to have you here. So Summit, let's welcome all of our first-time guests, our VIPs today. And hey, if you're here today for the very first time, we've got a great free gift for you out there in the lobby to the right at our welcome table. It's just a bag. It's got a CD in there, some information about our church, and a couple other things we think that you'll really enjoy. And to get that, all you've got to do is take the connection card that you got when you walked in and check on there that you're a first-time guest. Fill out as much information as possible. Just take that card out there to that table uh, in the lobby to the right, and we'll get you that gift right there in your hands. No questions asked or anything like that. Won't take any time at all. And hey, listen, if, if uh, even that's too much for you, you can actually uh, text the number here. I thought we were going to have it up there. Uh, there it is right there. If it's your first time, it's something you can text welcome, the word welcome to 606-268-3633. And man, you can just get connected that way. If you're like, hey, I don't know if I want to go to a table. Man, you can pull out your phone right now and do that. But if you are here for the second time, you're a returning guest. All right, we got something really cool for you. It takes place right after church, right here up front. Uh, I would love to meet you at something we do. It takes about five or 10 minutes, and it's just called First Step. If you're not, uh, man, maybe you're not serving, or you don't know anybody here, or you've been here a couple times, and you're like, okay, I've been coming. What's next? How can I get connected? Hey, I would love to meet you today. Just take five or 10 minutes right after church. I'll be right up here. And man, I'd just love to meet you and, and just get acquainted a little bit. And we've got some really cool things that we'd love to give all of our second-time guests or returning guests today. So stick around if you can for first step. But hey, listen, if you can't, just take your card and out there to the welcome table, we can uh, hook you up out there if you're a returning guest as well. We're just excited to have you here today. Right now, uh, we are going to receive our offering. This is just as much worship as singing, okay? This is a time where we get to worship God by giving back to him a a portion of what he's given to us, okay? So our ushers are going to come right now, and they're going to come, and they're going to get in place. And as they are getting in place, um, I want to thank you for giving. And we, we've got several ways that you can give here at Summit. You can give right here in the service. Uh, you can give on our website at summithazard.com. You can actually give through our app. If you've got the Summit app downloaded, you can open that up right now and click on Give and get that set up. That's how I give, and a lot of people use that. We just thank you so, so, so much for giving. And one of the things that we said last week and we're, we're focusing on over here over the next couple of weeks when we talk about giving is just the fact that, you know, it's summer and a lot of people are, are busy. A lot of people are gone. And what we said last week during this time was, you know what, while everybody's gone, while you're gone maybe for the summer, the ministries of the church continue. And that's why online giving, uh, giving through our app is such an amazing opportunity. It's an, such an amazing tool that God's given us because even when we're not here, we can set that up and still, we can really automate that step of obedience that God calls us to take. And you know, one of the things that, one of the things that might happen a lot of times during this time is, is this right here, is maybe you're here and you've never given. And you look around and you're thinking, hey man, you know what? We're here at the Forum. This is a great facility. Hey, you know what? We're building a building in Christopher. That looks like it's going well. Hey, you know what? It looks like things are moving here. I'm sure other people are giving. They really don't need my gift. And and maybe that's you. Maybe that's the assumption that you're making. You're making the assumption that maybe the person next to you or around you is giving, so you don't need to give. 
And listen, can I just be honest with you? I'll be honest with you and just, just say this. The person next to you or around you is probably making that exact same assumption about you. They just assume that you're giving. They assume that you're being faithful. And listen, I don't know any other way to be a pastor than to just shoot straight with you. Uh, and I'm not saying the sky's falling or anything like that. It's not. But we have seen an a, a, a offering go down uh, here in the past uh, little bit. And so I just want to be honest with you and say, hey, listen, if you've never given, man, there's never been a better time to give. If maybe you used to give and you don't, now's a great time to jump in. If you've never tried online giving, try online giving. If you're not prepared to give today, just try it this week. I promise you're going to love it. But you know what? Here's what I want us all to know. This church, this church, and every church, this is true for every church, this church will be as effective as all of us saying, you know what? I'm in and I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me. And so if you're here today and you're making the assumption, hey, you know what? I'm sure somebody has taken care of this. I'm sure somebody is giving. Hey, you know what? Maybe God wants you to be a part of it. Maybe God is challenging you today to say, you know what? I'm going to take the step and I'm going to give. So right now we're going to pray. And I just want to thank everybody that's going to give for the first time. I want to thank you for giving here. Thank you for giving online. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that's giving. And God, I thank you that, that you provide for this church. That God, you provide for this church through your people. Through your people. And so God, I pray that Father, we would step out and God, we would not miss the blessing it is to be generous. That we would not miss the blessing that it is to step out and to give. And so God, if there's somebody that's here today and maybe they've never given, they're gonna give today for the first time or they're gonna give online this week for the first time, God, I pray that you'd bless them, that Father, you'd meet them right there in that step and just encourage them to do that. Maybe somebody used to give and for some reason or another, God, you know, for some reason or another, they just kind of slacked off on that. God, I pray they'd uh, jump back in today. God, I pray that you would take what's given here and use it to change lives because that's what it goes to. God, every single bit of this goes to seeing people transformed by Jesus and equipped to transform the world for Jesus. So this is an opportunity where we get to worship you through giving. Father, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, our ushers are going to go ahead and pass those offering baskets around. In just a second, I'm going to show you a video to kind of cue up what we're doing today as we're starting our brand new series called Hashtag My Mission. But I want to talk to you about one thing that we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. July the 19th through the, uh, July the 18th rather, through the 21st is Mega Sports Camp. Mega Sports Camp is going to be a massive outreach to kids, to students. We're doing it at A.B. Combs. I mean, they're gonna, we're going to have uh, sports clinics for basketball, touch, uh, flag football, and uh, cheerleading, and all, all kinds of different sports. It's going to be a massive thing. We are praying and preparing for hundreds of kids and students. And so we need your help. In fact, you can text right now, 606 268 3633. That's kind of Summit's number, by the way, so you can text that. Uh, don't call it. It doesn't work that way, but you can text and get all kinds of great things to happen. If you text the word sport to that number uh, right now while I'm talking, you can sign up today to help with Mega Sports Camp. All right, guys? Hey, right now, the lights are going to come down. We're starting a brand new series today that I'm really excited about, and I want you to check out this video that we've put together for the new series that we're starting today called Hashtag My Mission. Check out this video.
right, guys. Hey, hey, uh, real quick before I dive in, that video, man, I, I, I love uh, just, the, man, God's brought some amazing people to our, to our church right here. That video was not something we found on YouTube or anything like that. That video was made right here in-house by our cameraman back there, Brian Reisner. We call him Bubba. I just, I think that's one of the best trailers we've ever had for a series. I just want to publicly say that was awesome. I love that video, man. I think that's one of my favorite ones we've, that, that anybody's put together, and uh, uh, that's, that's just awesome that that was done right here. Hey, here's what I'm going to do, a little pop quiz this morning. I'm going to show you some pictures of people, and, and, and as soon as you know who these people are, I want you to yell out who they are, okay? So don't kind of whisper to your neighbors, pop quiz. I want to see if you can tell, and you will, trust me, you'll know these people. As soon as you know who it is, I want you to yell out who it is, okay? Who is that right there? Martin Luther King Jr. See, there you go. It's just not hard. Everybody knows who he is. Here's another one. Who's that? Mother Teresa. There you go. Everybody knows who Mother Teresa is. Here's one more. One more. Who's this? Who is that? Steve Jobs. There you go. And, and so, so, so Mother Teresa, Steve Jobs, Martin Luther King Jr., when you look at those three people, and there's other people we could show on the screen, really. Those, I just randomly picked those three people. But when you look, at those three people, what do they have in common? Well, what they have in common is that all of them have changed the world. All of them have, have impacted the world. The world is different in large ways because of them. I mean, Steve Jobs, a lot of you have a phone that he thought of probably in your pocket. You've been on it today. And so they, they, they changed the world, and maybe you're here today, and you're not a Jesus follower, or you are, but when you think about your life, that's exactly what you want to do with your life. You want to make a difference. You want to change the world. Maybe not on the scale of, say, a Steve Jobs or a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Mother Teresa, but you want to leave a dent in the world. And listen, if that's you, I just want to say to you, don't you let anything squash that dream out of your life. That is so, uh, that's so awesome that you, that you want your life to leverage your life in such a way that you want to change the world. So don't let anybody talk you out of that dream that you have. Or maybe you're here and somebody did talk you out of that. Maybe you're here today, and, and at one time, you wanted to make a difference. At one time, you wanted to make a dent. At one time, you wanted to change the world, and then maybe you got a few years under your belt. Other people came into your life, and they told you you need to calm down, or maybe you just kind of settled into life. You just started paying bills and raising kids and doing all of this stuff, and somewhere along the way, you just shifted into neutral, and you used to have this dream where, you know what, I at least want to change my world. And somewhere along the way, you walked away from that. Well, what we're doing today is we are starting a brand new series called Hashtag My Mission. And I, listen, I am praying that God, if, if you're here today and you used to have that dream where, you know what, I want to make a dent, I want to make a difference, I am praying that over the next four weeks together as we're in this series, that God would wake that dream back up in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're just kind of going through life and you really don't have any purpose or direction. I'm praying that over the next four weeks, God would give you a sense of purpose, a, a sense of mission over the next four weeks. Especially if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus because what happens when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, he wakes up inside of every follower of Jesus this desire to make a difference for the name and the fame of God. The Holy Spirit just wakes this up inside of you. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And that's why the series is really called Hashtag 
my mission because I want you to understand, I want you rather to see over the next four weeks, I'm praying that maybe today or over the next couple of weeks, God would so work in your life and so work in this church that for the very first time or in a renewed sense, you would get an idea of this is my mission. So, I mean, you, could, you can tweet it, you can put it on Facebook, you can use hashtag my mission, but this is my mission. I know why I'm here. Or listen, I might not know why I'm here, the grand scheme of things, but I at least know what God wants me to do right now, the stage of life that I'm in. So that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks in this series called Hashtag My Mission. And to do that, we're going to look at one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Nehemiah. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to the book of Nehemiah. Now, if, you're, if you use the Bible on your phone, I mean, you're, you're, you're having a pretty easy time finding that. You can just open up your Bible app, or you're using the Summit app. You can open up the Bible part of the Summit app there. Uh, but, uh, but if you're not, if you're actually using a copy of God's Word, uh, you've got a physical copy of the Bible, you're like, Nehemiah, I've never even heard of that. Well, listen, the table of contents is your friend, all right? No shame in that game whatsoever. So just go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to go through this book during this series. In fact, something cool we're going to start tomorrow is if you have the Summer app, if you open it up right now, there's a section in there called Devotions. Tomorrow, we're going to put devotions in there every single day. And for right now, they're going to go along with this series. So check that out. But we're going to go through the book of Nehemiah in this series. And let me just kind of set the stage for the book of Nehemiah. Let me just set this stage. In the year, in the year 587 B.C., 587 B.C., the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem. And when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem in the year 587 B.C., they actually did this three times. And every time they would invade Jerusalem, they destroyed the city, they ruined the city, tore down the city's walls, the temple where they would worship and where a lot of life would happen right there in the city of Jerusalem. And every time the Babylonians would invade Jerusalem, they would take captive some of the Israelites. They would take God's people captive. So they did this a series of three times. So at the end of that third time, a lot of them, most of them were slaves. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins. And then 70 years later, the then king of Babylon, his name was Cyrus, King Cyrus made the decision that the slaves, he was going to release those slaves so that they could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and go back to life the way that they had always known it. And so they began to release the Israelites back to go to Jerusalem in waves. Not all at once, but in waves, just a series of three waves. And as they all got back, they all kind of went back to life as normal with one problem. They did not rebuild Jerusalem. Think, think of it this way. Is there something at your house? Guys, talk, let me talk to you guys. Guys, is there something at your house, you're, you're here today, you're married, is there something at your house that your wife has been telling you that you need to fix and she's been telling you that since, 19, since the 90s and every, every weekend you say you'll get to it? Right? Some, some ladies just amen. Right? You just kind of get used to it, don't you? I mean, for a while there, everybody sees that crack, and then years later, it's just kind of a part of who you are. Well, that's what happened when they went back to Jerusalem. Yeah, we know we need to rebuild. Yeah, we know we need to do some major construction, but over time, they just started to get used to it. Over time, they probably started to say things like, hey, you know what? It's always been this way. And one of the things that they should have rebuilt first 
were the walls around Jerusalem. The walls around the city of Jerusalem, that was the primary means of protection. It would have kept other, other nations from invading Jerusalem. And here's the thing about Jerusalem. The Israelites, all the surrounding countries knew that Jerusalem, the, the people of Israel, they all the surrounding countries knew that Israel, they were the people who worshipped the one true living God. And so think this through. When Israel looked weak, who else looked weak? God looked weak. And so the walls, the, the, the primary means of protection, the visible picture of strength for the people of Jerusalem, the walls were in ruins. They were crumbled. There was no form of protection for God's people. Those walls were down for centuries. People got used to it. And to the outside countries and communities and peoples, when they looked at Jerusalem, Jerusalem looked weak, and so did God. And it's in that setting that we meet the book of Nehemiah and our hero that we're going to spend a couple of weeks with, Nehemiah himself. So I'm going to read a long chapter. I'm going to read a long section of scripture this morning. I'm going to read Nehemiah starting chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way down to chapter 2, verse 10. All right? So it's going to be on the screen behind me. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, all the way down to chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, the words of Nehemiah the son of Hakaliah. Now, stop right there for just a second. I'm not stopping on every verse, but I want you to know something. The book of Nehemiah was written by Nehemiah himself about what he did to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So this is Nehemiah's journal. It's like Nehemiah's diary. We get, we get an inside peek of what's happening inside him and around him of how he accomplishes the mission that God gave him. So these are his words. Let's keep going. What Now it happened in the month of Kislev, that would have been about November or December on our calendar, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem, and they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire." As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in, are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand, O Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to, the serv- to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, that would have been April or May on our calendar, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you're not sick? This is nothing new but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. 
Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So, so here's, our, here's our guy, Nehemiah. So let's just recap what we just read. Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king. Now, if you are here and you're convinced your job stinks, right? Like if you hate your job, okay, and you're convinced you have the worst job ever, thank God you're not the cupbearer to the king. Because the cupbearer to the king, this was literally his job. The, the cupbearer of the king's job was every single time the king was brought a drink, the cupbearer took the first drink to make sure it wasn't poison to try to assassinate the king. So you get one shot at that job, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's what Nehemiah does for a living. Nine to five, he's just drinking wine. If you're bad, just grape juice. Sorry. And he's just making sure nobody is trying to take out the king. And so here is Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, he's, he's at his job, and all of a sudden he gets a report that Jerusalem is in shambles. The walls are broken down. They look weak. God looks weak. It is not going well for the people and the city of God, and Nehemiah is broken over it. Nehemiah hears it, and it says there at the beginning of chapter 1 that Nehemiah falls to his knees. He weeps. He begins to fast. He begins to beg God that something would change. Nehemiah gets a burden from God to go to Jerusalem and fix those walls. So right there in this moment, God gives Nehemiah the mission of going into Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls. And I think it's really interesting that when Nehemiah gets word of how bad it is, he doesn't instantly quit his job and then go to Jerusalem because daggone it, that's the right thing to do. Did you see that he prays? Beginning in November or December, almost to April to May. He prays at least for six months. But not only does he pray, he prays and he plans. Because he knows he's going to have to go to the king, his boss, and ask for an extended period of time off. He knows he's going to have to ask the king for resources. And listen, when he makes this request to the king, listen, the king doesn't, king doesn't mess around here. The king had the authority and the right that, that he, could, he could have had Nehemiah killed. He could have had Nehemiah removed from his, from his presence. So Nehemiah knows this is an opportunity he can't take for granted. So for six months he prays and he plans. Finally, he goes to the king. The king grants him permission and Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem with the mission of rebuilding those walls. And listen, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see Nehemiah go into this city and rebuild in a matter of days walls that had been down for decades. Because the mission that God gave him was to rebuild that wall. And I want to say to every single person in this room today, God has a mission for you. Did you know that? 
Did you know that God has a mission, a purpose, a tailor-made mission for you? You might be here today and you're not a Jesus follower and you're trying to figure out the whole God thing. Listen, I don't care what you've heard in your life. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You were made with a purpose, by a purpose, for, to be on the mission that God has for you. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm convinced God brought you here. God loves you and today God wants to save you. He can do that right now today. But listen, if you're here, you're a Jesus follower, every child, every teenager, every man, woman, you have a mission from God. Say, well, listen, I don't know if I have a mission from God. I'm just a school teacher. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just retired. I'm just the manager of this company. I'm just kind of going through life. I don't really feel like I'm called by God. See, that's why I love the book of Nehemiah, because I love that Nehemiah was not a prophet. I love that Nehemiah wasn't a prophet, Nehemiah wasn't a preacher, Nehemiah wasn't a missionary. No, this was just a dude working a nine to five. And he was at work one day making sure the king doesn't get taken out, and he's at work, and all of a sudden God grips his heart with a mission. See, 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 listen, we've got to stop thinking. We've got to stop thinking that the only people that God calls are pastors and missionaries. Listen, God calls people to be lawyers. Did you know that? God calls people to be teenagers. God calls people to be politicians. We could use a few right now. Sorry, 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 sorry. God calls people to be janitors. God God calls people to join teams or to take up a hobby, join a group in town that maybe you've never been interested in before, but there's just something drawing you there. It's because God wants to use you there. See, one of our biggest problems is we too often, we compartmentalize our lives. You know what I'm saying? We compartmentalize our lives so that here's my job and here's my work and here's me raising my kids and living life and over here is all the spiritual stuff. Maybe you've heard people put it this way. Here's my secular life, and here's my spiritual life. Have you ever heard this? You guys have heard this, right? There's secular life, and there's spiritual life. But listen, did you know that the Bible never talks that way? The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so, hey, listen, it doesn't matter where you're at, what your career is, what your status is right now, God has a mission for you. So what if your career is your calling? Well, Mark, I hate my career. Okay, 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 okay. But what if God can use the current position you have in life to reveal the passion that he's put in your heart? What if God can do that? See, theologians say that the Bible, theologians tell us that the Bible is basically one story. It's the story of the mission of God. It's the story of how God saw that humanity was lost and God stepped in to rescue you and me. That's why the last words that Jesus gives to the disciples and it carries on to us, it's called the Great Commission. You saw it in the video. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission that God's put us all on. Now, the way we do that might be a little bit different, but God's called us to a mission. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, I want you to get this. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved for works. Do you understand the difference? We're not saved by what we do, 
but we are saved to do something. God didn't save you to give you a one-way ticket to heaven and then you can just come to church and then live your life the way you were going to live it anyway. No, we're not saved by our works, but make no mistake about it, we are saved for something to do. So your question might be, what is it? I mean, that's great, Nehemiah had a real clear mission, rebuild that wall, what's my mission? So what I want to do today is I want to give you three questions that you can ask yourself and help yourself discover the mission that God has for you. And that big mission of God is he's rescuing people and bringing them into a relationship with Jesus. What's your mission look like? How do you fit into that? Three questions that you can take notes on our app. You can write them down on your own. Three questions for you and I to work through to discover the mission that God has for us. Here's the first question you can ask yourself. What walls are broken down? What walls are broken down? See, these, see, people had walked by the walls of Jerusalem for years, and other people were just able to walk by them, not even look twice at them, not give it a second thought. But then when Nehemiah hears about it, Nehemiah is gripped with a burden. Nehemiah is gripped with this, this desire to make a difference, that somebody needs to go into Jerusalem and fix what's broken. Those walls that everybody else, they were able to walk by, Nehemiah couldn't stop thinking about those walls. He had a burden from God. Do you know what the word burden means? The, the word burden means a heavy load. It, it just simply means a heavy load. It's something that you look at and you think, you know what? It shouldn't be this way. Somebody should step in and do something. Let me ask you a question. What is that for you? What is that thing that you look at? It's a broken down wall and other people are able to look at it and just move on, but you can't move on. Maybe you look at the way that culture's going and you think about your kids. And it grieves your heart. It honestly scares you to think what your kids, what life might be like for your kids as they get older. And so God gives you a massive burden to raise your kids to walk with God. Yeah, they can make that decision on their own, but you, you are gonna be really intentional about the way that you use your time with them because God's given you a burden to have God at the center of your family. Maybe that's your burden. Maybe it's a job that you got and you walked into that job and you didn't really think anything about it, but you walked into that job and you found out that things weren't be done, being done fair, things weren't being done right, things were being done underhanded, and you know that's not what God wants, and so God's giving you a burden to make sure that job's done with integrity. Or maybe it's a job that you know if it's done well, it can really help a lot of people, and all of a sudden your career has become your calling. Maybe you watch the news at night. And you watch the news and, and you see a story about a part of the world that you have never been to. Maybe you read about a portion of the world that doesn't even have clean water. Something that you and I take for granted every single day and we use every day. And so many people in the world just don't have that basic access to clean water. And God gives you a passion to do something about it. Maybe it's a lost friend that you have. Maybe it's a lost family member, where do you see broken down walls in your life that you look at it and say, somebody should do something? And you look around and the only one standing there is you. It might be because God wants to use you to build that wall. So where are walls broken down? Maybe it's addiction, maybe it's poverty, maybe something in the church that needs fixed and we don't see it and you do and God's given you a burden to fix it. But where do you see broken down walls? Here's another question, number two. Number two, second question, what are you praying for? What, what are you praying for right now? Because listen, your prayers reveal your heart. I mean, it's easy to fake it in church, isn't it? 
It's impossible to fake it, though, before God. Did you know that? It is absolutely impossible to fake it before God because even when you're trying to hold back your heart, God sees your heart the whole time. So what are you praying about right now? I love what Nehemiah prayed. I just want to read a couple of verses of his prayer there, there in verse five. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the prayer of your servant. Skipping down down right there in the middle of the verse. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Stop right there. Nehemiah prays for an entire nation. Nehemiah prays for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And listen, it doesn't simply say that Nehemiah prays. Did you see that it says he mourned for days? He wept. When was the last time God so gripped your heart about something that in prayer you just started to weep over it? that ever happened? Not only did he weep, it also says that he fasted over it. Uh Uh-oh. Fasted. When was the last time? So Jesus, I, I would rather see you move here than have this meal or do this thing that I normally do. Jesus, I so want you to do this. I am so desperate. I will skip a meal. I will give up anything if you would just move in a way that only you can. What are you praying for right now? Because I want you to know today, we have a God in heaven for whom nothing is impossible. There is nothing impossible with God. Did you know that God could change this city today? He can do it. Did you know that? Did you know? Did you know that God could change your school today? God can do that. God could break addiction today. He can do it. There is nothing impossible with God, church. So listen, I ask this question all the time. I just think it's a really challenging question. It it impacts me. I'm going to ask you again. If God answered every prayer you personally prayed over the past seven days, what would have changed? Would everything get right in your world and the rest of the world kind of would have just went on the way it always has? If God answered every prayer that you prayed over the past seven days, would anything have changed? Because listen, listen, I'll just be honest with you and tell you, when the church of Jesus Christ gets desperate for change, things will change. I would have clapped. I'll say that again. When the church of Jesus Christ gets desperate for change, things will change. (laughs) Donald Trump is not going to do it. Hillary Clinton is not going to do it. I'm going to do a series right before the election called Who Would Jesus Vote For? And I am so excited, I can't sleep. I really am. I'm going to do a series. We're going to do a series right before the election called Who Would Jesus Vote For? And I'll tell you why. Because some of you are better Republicans than Christians. Woo! Some of you are better Democrats than Christians. And your confidence is in Washington. And if Washington could have done it, they would have already. They would have already. What are you praying? Listen, listen. And and it's time for the church. The church, we want to see things change. Okay, well, how have we went about that? We've yelled at people. We've posted rants on Facebook, which are always effective. We've protested things. But have we prayed? I mean, begged God. 
I mean got desperate. I mean wept. I mean skipped a meal. I mean we put our face in the dirt. Tony, help me out. Tony came up to me while we were singing and gave me, uh, and he had more information than the one I shared on Facebook. Blake Neese, you guys have probably seen this, miraculously on on its own, and we know that God's a miracle working God, his heart has started to get better on its own. So much so that they are about to take him up to help me out. Thinking about taking the pump out that they put in. And yeah, that's right. They've never done that to a child before, and it's only happened twice to an adult. Right? Why did that happen? Now God did it, but why did that happen? I can tell you why, and you saw it online on social media. It's because the church in this region got desperate and prayed to God. What would happen? Imagine, imagine what would happen if we did that for our lost friends, our schools, addiction, the state of this country, if the church of Jesus Christ put our face in the dirt and begged God to move. What are you praying for? Last question, number three, number three. You want to know your mission? What walls are broken down? You see it, nobody else does. What are you praying for, number three? What must you do? What must you do? Nehemiah gets this burden. He prays and plans for six months, and he says, now let's go. Now let's go to the king. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and we're going to rebuild that wall. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? What walls do you see broken? I've got to fix this. I am praying that this church would be filled with wall builders. I'm praying that this church will be filled with people who, who see a need, who see walls broken down, and they step in because God's given them a burden, given them a mission. I'm praying this church will be filled with wall builders, filled with fixers, because did you know that God is a fixer? God's a fixer, y'all. He is. God saw our condition. God saw how lost and broken we were, and God looked at all of us and said, I can fix that. And he stepped in through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a fixer. Did you know that? Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, left heaven, came here, went to a cross, took on the sin of every single one of us. Three days later, came back from the dead so that you and I can have a relationship with God and be set free from our past, present, and future. Jesus said, I can fix that. And he did. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is a fixer. Because the Holy Spirit looks at all the brokenness in my life and in your life and says, I can fix all this. Now, it'll take a lifetime, but I can fix it. And we are never more like Jesus than when we look at a broken down wall and we get a burden and we begin to to pray and we begin to plan and then we get up and we do something. Say, Mark, I don't know where to start. Mark, there's so many needs in the world, I have no idea where to start. There's tons of needs in the world. Let me tell you where to start. Start with the same thing that breaks the heart of God today. That there are men, women, teenagers, and children in the world right now who do not worship him and do not have a personal relationship with him. Start with that. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. Why? Because it breaks his heart. Breaks his heart that there are people outside of Jesus. Because listen, there is no other way to God than Jesus. 
There is no other way to have a relationship with him than Jesus. So if that breaks his heart, let's just start with what breaks the heart of God, that there are people outside of Christ today. I want to show you a video. Go ahead and bring down the lights. Turn this up. Check out this video. Watch this video. The job is not done in the world that Christ gave us to do and the mandate is still binding on us today. That's why we speak of unreached people groups. But the missions is the back-breaking, culture-penetrating, darkness-shattering initial work to penetrate, plant the church, see it flourish, get its own elders, train its own people, evangelize its own networks. That's the task of missions. It's not over. And that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And the alternative is hell. And millions and millions and millions of people are on their way there. And we have the only means of escape in our heads and in our hearts. Jesus Christ.
so count the cost, brothers and sisters. This is not an invitation to an easy life. For 2,000 years, thousands and thousands of missionaries, the unnamed, no biographies written about them, just unnamed people of whom the world is not worthy, have counted this cost and put their lives at risk and reached the loss with the only message of salvation. You know, I wanted to show you that because I want you to know today that the stakes are high. What we talk about here, when we talk about my mission, your mission matters. There is no insignificant mission in the kingdom of God. The stakes are high. And we're going to do three things during this series. We're do three things. First thing we'll do during this series is we'll serve. We'll serve during this series. We're going to have two what we're calling hashtag my mission serve days. The first one is going to be June 25th in Whitesburg. The reason we're doing that is because the very next day, the 26th, is the last preview service in Whitesburg. We're going to launch that weekly in July, but for two hours on a Saturday morning, we're going to go to Whitesburg, and we are simply going to invite people to church. We're going to invite people to that service the very next day so that they can hear the gospel. And then on July the 9th, uh, we're going to have a serve day right here in Perry County, and we're going to do all kinds of different things. We're going to serve at the hospital, hospice. We're going to do some things at Second Chance Mission. We're going to um, have all kinds of different things go on, and, and you can sign up for that right now. If you text that number, text the word mission to that number on your screen, you can sign up for it right now. You can sign up for one. You can sign up for both of them, but the reason we're serving is because the church is not the church in these walls. The church is the church in the world, and we want to get out in the world. I want you to talk to people. I want you to, to, to meet people. And so to serve days. Second thing we're going to do during this series is we're going to give. The last Sunday of this series, Sunday, July the 10th, we're going to receive what we're calling the My Mission Offering. And that My Mission Offering will go to, um, to, go to at least uh, three things. It'll go to at least three things. The first thing it'll go to is Summit Whitesburg to help start that new church that we're starting in July. Another thing it'll go to is Corey and Jessica Heinzelman who will be leaving uh, the states here very uh, shortly. We can give you some more information about that. But also another thing it'll go to is Come Alive, the event in October where churches are all coming together with the purpose of uh, seeing people saved, a massive outreach event unlike anything we've ever done before. But we're gonna receive an offering on that day. You should talk about, hey, how much can we give? If you've never given before, this is your opportunity to jump on board. But here's the biggest thing I think that we'll do, honestly. Number three is we will pray during this series. We will pray. And right now, right now, right before we dismiss, right before we close, I want to ask you, what is God speaking into your heart today? What are the walls that you see broken down? What are the things that you're praying for? What is the thing that you have to do? Maybe somebody is in this room and you're thinking, I don't have an answer for any of those. I don't really have a burden for anything. I'm not really praying for anything big. I don't really feel like there's anything that I have to do today. I'm kind of just showing up to church. 
If that's you, then in just a moment, I'm gonna give you the opportunity and I want you to go to God and say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. You know what? I would love for our entire church to make that our prayer for the next seven days. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Because listen, when we begin to see the world the way that God sees the world, we will step out and fix walls. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just at the start of this brand new series, just this idea of mission that God's called us all on and that the stakes are high, real high. How many of you would just simply say by raising your hand today and say, Mark, I want God to break my heart and help me to see Help me to help, help my heart to be broken the way that God's heart is broken. I want God to break my heart for what breaks his heart. If that's you, would just raise your hand right now? I want my heart to break for what breaks God's heart. Hands are going up all over, all over the room, all over the room. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I want God to give me a burden. I want God to give me a passion. I want God to give me that, that kind of, of wall-building burden. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Say, I want to do something. I want my life to count. I want to build. There you go. Hands are going up all over this room. All over this room, all over this room. Listen, right now, maybe you just need to tell God, God, I'm not going through the motions anymore. I've just kind of been showing up to church and going through the motions. And, and God, you, you're a part of my life, but not at the center. Right now is the time to say, God, I'm putting you at the center. I'm putting you at the center. The stakes are too high for me to coast through life. But if you're here today and you are not a Christian, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right now I want to give you the opportunity to ask him to save you. Because the good news is God loves you today. And you don't have to go out and try to be good and clean yourself off. No, listen, all you need to do is to come to Jesus today in prayer and ask him to forgive you for your sins and to save you. And if you do that, he will save you. And you won't leave perfect today, but you will leave with a relationship with him and he can begin to work in your life and you can have the confidence that you're his now and for all of eternity. If you don't have that confidence, don't let anything keep you from it today. Don't let anything keep you today from giving your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. So if you want to be saved, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. Listen, if you just, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer and you, you, you prayed that prayer and your desire is you want Jesus to be Lord, you're done trying to live life with you at the center. You want God to be at the center. You know things need to change and what you need is God if you prayed today to give your life to Jesus Christ I'm count to three and as soon as I say three will you just raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it and celebrate with you one two three just raise your hand up high right now so that I can see it and celebrate with you just raise that hand up high raise that hand up high and if you raise your hand I want you to look at me today I want you to look at me today on the back of your connection card is a box that says I gave my life to Christ Take that card and check that box. And when you leave today out there at the, at the welcome table, we'd love to give you a free Bible and a few other things. If you can't stop there, put it in somebody's basket as you walk out. But don't leave until you let somebody know the decision that you made today. In fact, right now, the entire church, why, don't everybody, why doesn't everybody here, just go ahead, everybody in here, go ahead and grab your connection card. And if there's any way we can pray for you, go ahead and write that down. Put it on that card right now. 
Maybe God's leading you, hey, you know what? Maybe the next thing God wants you to do, you don't really know about a big mission, but you know the next thing that God wants you to do is be baptized. Why don't you check that and let's take that step together. Why don't you take the steps maybe to, to serve or to get connected here? Why don't you just go ahead and check that box on the back of those cards here in just a minute when I dismiss us. It's going to be volunteers all over. You just drop those cards in those baskets. But go ahead and fill those out. Let us know any way we can pray for you. We pray for those during the week, and we'd love to pray for you today and serve and help you get connected to Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for today, for right now, God. Stakes are high. What we're doing here matters. And so, God, I pray that as we leave today, let that be our prayer. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Just like Nehemiah's heart was broken, break our hearts. Might be something we see at work. Might be something we see at school. Might be something we see on the news. God, the mission starts right where we are. We don't need to, some of us, God, you might be telling to move and leave the country or something like that. But God, a lot of people, you're just telling them to open their eyes right there where they work and right there where they live. God, the mission starts right where we are. Use us to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Summit, was it good to be in God's house today? Man, it was good to be here today. And, and, and here's, here's what I want you to know. We're going to dismiss you, and I want to thank you so much for being here. Hey, if you're a returning guest, I'd love to meet you today at First Step for about five or ten minutes. Guys, thank you for coming today. You're dismissed. God bless you.